Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast. We're focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Oseo Maya, sports writer for Sports Pulse. And joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing? I am doing all right. You know, just trying to stay cool, trying to beat the heat in the dog days of summer. Well, at least you're not DC United who can't beat the heat. We'll talk about the spirit later on. But first, we have to talk about what happened Saturday night as DC United attempted to try and sorely get back on the winning block at home as they took on the Philadelphia Union. However, I mean, let's just be honest now. That that performance, it was 3-1 loss. First half filled with climatic, just filled with errors all over the place. And United squandered an opportunity to reclaim the final playoff spot in the Easter Conference. And there's eight games remaining. Their winless skid in MLS play extends to four matches. They did not look good at all. Wayne Rooney in the post-game press conference admitted as such. Um saying we got into great areas, but if you give goals away, you're not going to win. The first half was basically the game. United just looked horrible defensively in the first half. Three truly terrible giveaways. Mario, what were your thoughts from watching it in the the grandstands of Audi Field? Your thoughts on DC United's performance? Oh, I thought we were going to another 7-0 route all over again at at the end of the first half. It was that bad. Also, if you're DC United, thank the Los Angeles Galaxy that they beat the Chicago Fire on Saturday night as well. You know, the direct competition to get that ninth spot for play, for the playoffs. But they played horrible. It, it was that the back line was just abysmal. Derek Williams, that I think that's one of his worst games that I in recent memory. He was bad. But then again, I can say that about mo- most of the team for the first 45 minutes of the game because they just played horrible. Well, before up- you continue, I don't mean to cut you off. Before you continue, from the home standpoint, looking at the broadcast from home, you could see the mistake coming. Like Derek Williams, he goes into that corner. He's stumbling with the possession, and you could just see the swarm of Union attackers coming towards him. And, of course, guys that, to yeah. his credit, gets the ball, steals it, and who's there waiting? Because, like I said, there's a gaggle of players heading towards him. Julian Carranza makes it easy to create the pass for the goal. Like, it's those kind of little mistakes here and about that just killed United. And you could see it at home. Like, you could see the buildup that this mistake was coming. And so early. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I... I agree. Like you can tell, it's like, oh, something dumb's about to happen here because there's three union players right there in front of Derek Williams. You know, they teach you literally when you start playing soccer, when in doubt, clear it out. That was one of those times. Just even. I don't care how you get it out of there. Just get it out of there. But no, I think a credit to Philadelphia. They put they that they put the pressure on him on the first goal. And, you know, pressure makes diamonds. And in this case, pressure made a goal. And Julian Carranza played a perfect ball to Michael Err, and, and he was able to tap it in. But I think the most egregious goal was the second goal. How on earth does Jose Martinez have that much space to run? Off a counterattack on your own corner kick. Jose Martinez literally sacrifices hamstring. Because he comes off the game like 10 minutes later. Comes out of the game 10 minutes later. He had so much space to run. 
at that point, just try to attempt to foul him, I guess. But he took on the entirety of the DC United defense, and they looked in disarray. And Jack McGlynn had acres of space. Jack McGlynn owed half a Stafford on that second goal because there was nobody there. Nobody bothered to track back to see, oh, Jack McGlynn's coming in from the back off this cross. Maybe I should step in and prep. Step in and cross the ball and try to clear the ball away. That didn't happen. Jack McGlynn came in pretty easily. He was all, all miles of space. I think that goal, along with the Derek Williams goal, was just egregious. And the penalty kick, well, yeah, Tyler Miller kind of deserved the yellow card because he did step in really hard on Julian Carranza. And I think Gazdag hit it perfectly. I, I think the first 45 minutes were visible. You combine that with the 90 minutes that they played at New, uh, against the New York Red Bulls the other day. This is a team that looked out of sorts in disarray. Uh, shout out to Gabriel Priotti. He tried. He tried to play. He play he's played pretty decent the first two games that we've seen him. But it's hard to create offense when you're being double man marked. And your main source of uh, and your main source to go off off the attack is Christian Benteke, also being double marked. So all in all, I think the first forty five minutes were just a was just a telling story of what the game what the game encapsulated. I know DC tried in the second half, and then there's a play that I guess we could talk about it where Christian Benteke heads the ball. It's clear it's clearly crossed the line, and Andre Bla- Andre Blake. Clears it off the line, but referee doesn't call a goal. It depending on different angles. I think, for, in my opinion, it did cross the line, but I, I don't know how how you would feel about how you feel about that about that play. But bro, even when they don't call it, just blast it. You're right there in front of the goal, but uh, it, it, it pretty much just it just pretty much summed up everything that happened at DC United to not to not look good at all through, throughout this game, especially the 45 minutes, first 45 minutes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all I'm going to add is, yeah, that went in. Wayne even said on the big screen, everybody saw it, it looked like it went in. And it, there is an argument to why FIFA didn't approve goal line technology as a universal use, but approve VAR when goal line technology will tell you instantly if the ball crosses the line, whereas goal line technology requires a review, and that still leaves it to the human eye to make the mistake. And so my biggest issue is the referee not going back and reviewing it, but the Sarah Sarah, like that wasn't going to make a difference. So the, the final outcome, I feel bad for Ted Pietro who came off the be- uh, bench in his comeback game. Um, Scores a nice goal uh, from outside the penalty area. But, I mean, what you said is what you said. It's, it was a pitiful performance in the first 45. And it, to be honest with you, I didn't feel impressed even with the subs. I felt that DC United left too many holes in the back. Uh, the the lineup change that was confirmed by Wayne um, in the post game about flipping it from a three-back, which was used all season, to a four-back to limit the amount of pressure that was going to come with uh, Philadelphia Union's uh, pressure game, it clearly didn't work. And then at some point in the middle of the first half, they tried to flip it back to a three-back. That clearly didn't work. It didn't really 
pan out until they added Ruan in the second half. And I still feel like there was acres of space that United was leaving. I've said it before. I'll say it again. United is a team that's designed to have a four-back system playing with uh, playing with players with a four-back system and attempting to make it into a three-back with two wing-backs. When they don't have the wing-backs, it's useless. And so you have a situation here where you had Ron playing, it, well, should have been playing, but he was out in the first half. Allegedly, you guys all tell me that Assad was playing in the wing-back role. I didn't see him the whole game. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see him the whole game. He left. If he was there, there was space because he wasn't there. Oh, he left acres of space. He didn't do. The thing is, like, they played Assad at that wingback, uh, in that wingback role before. But it's I kind of feel when he shifted to the four-man line, it was a wit It's kind of a wingback, but you would be more of an attacking wingback. He just never tracked back. And he that's never, my point. That's my point. It's. You should never switch. This is the formation you die on. This is if you're gonna play a four back, play people who naturally play with a four back. Like, don't change stuff. I'm trying not to cuss. Don't change stuff because you are trying. If you're gonna change it, make sure that you have the people and the manpower to do it. I have seen yeah, enough. The I've, I've seen Emil Saad stories, dude. I don't need. I know what he is. I know he's not a defender. I know he's not a wing back. Don't try to outspeak me here because you're trying to like maybe justify it. There is no justification here. That man is not a defender. I am. Proof of that. You don't put an attacking player in a defensive role when you know they're going to get caught. He got caught. Do we need another episode of the Nick DeLeon story? No, we don't. This team needs to go to the playoffs. They sacrificed the U.S. Open Cup. They sacrificed uh, the League's Cup. I said it. I got it. Let me get my rant out. (laughs) They sacrificed... These competitions where they could have gotten an opportunity to play in the CONCACAF Champions League in in brackets that were winnable. They sacrificed it to get to the playoffs, which Wayne said in the first pre-game press conference, playoffs are the goal. If he doesn't make the playoffs, fans should have the right to say Everyone should be fired because they fired Benny and they fired uh, Hernan for petty reasons. This is a legit reason. You had a goal. You have a destination. You didn't make it. You should be let go. Wayne, they're speeding up a five-year project in two and a half seasons for Wayne. Then you have to act like you're in year 3.5. And he's clearly not. Tactically, they're inept. The players they've gotten isn't there. Somehow, they can't bend roster rules that we don't, because of MLS reasons, we don't know what they have and what they don't have. They're paying a guy to basically sit. This team is all out of sorts, and the reality is it's a bungling by the front office and Wayne Rooney tactically that United finds itself in this position. I'm tired of talking about the game. Yes, they were trash, but reality is the fans need to start voicing even more how much they feel about this team. I heard the post game. I heard what people were chanting at Birnbaum. I feel bad for him, but the reality is, man, the only reason you got a contract extension this offseason is because Wayne Rooney was the head coach. Like, that's the reality. You were a free agent. 
But because Wayne came in, you got an extension. And then you got a new contract this year. So, yeah. Excuse me for not sounding, oh, let's talk about and dissect the game. I saw enough. I saw what I needed to see. I saw oodles of space. I'm surprised Philly did not win by more. And the reality is, yes, Wayne said on the post-game press conference, they should have scored a couple more goals. Dude, you've been playing route one football for the last four months, and really we have not seen an improvement of that. Every play, every cross, it's towards Benteke. There is no second plan, and it's clear as day. Hey, I agree with everything in your right, actually. Like, here's the thing that bothers me. You, you, you're, 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 I guess we could consider Wade a Rudy still technically a rookie coach, a young coach. But you're not taking accountability for some of the things that happened throughout the, throughout the games or your game plan. And that's the part that bothers me. It's like we're being there. He's being nonchalant about it. Like you're not bringing in players to replace the players that are leaving. And you're leaving out certain players like, such as Donovan Pines, who I feel could have been serviceable in this game over Steve Birnbaum. And I like Steve, but you know, it's time, bro. Or Derek Williams, who played a lousy game. Or Brandon Hindsight, who's just there half the time. Like, it, it, bothers, it bothers the mind to think, like, you're calm about this. We don't. Like he, said, like he said in the press conference, stay calm. My brother in Christ, you're fighting for your playoff life. And like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, think the LA Galaxy for beating the daylights out of the Chicago Fire. The team who you're fighting with to get the final playoff spot. Think enter Miami for winning essentially a home game in Harrison, New Jersey against your other rival for for the for the playoff spot, the New York Red Bulls. And you're gonna sit here and tell me, oh, stay calm. You need to step up. You're going into a game against Chicago where you're essentially playing for your playoff lives here. This is a game where you have you played two solid games against Philadelphia. One in the League's Cup where you took them to the brink and the penalties. And you drew in Philadelphia earlier in the season. What was the point of changing? You had Philadelphia in trouble. You had them out of sorts in those two games at Subaru Park. What was the point of changing the lineup for this game? Do you not know that Philadelphia actually has a really attacking, good attacking team? Not only I mean, just the DC. I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, they are dealing with a couple injuries. We still don't know what the status is with Andy Nahar, which has been a key in some of these decisions. But then again, I again, you keep the problem I'm having is Wayne keeps saying we're almost scoring. We're almost scoring. That, that's. That's, That's the part not that enough. That's not enough. You need Almost to score. score. You, you need to score. And on top of that, like your only attacking plan seems it's even the Christian Penteke. I think I had this argument earlier this year. Keep the ball to Christian Penteke and hope for the best. They kind of know you're going for Christian Penteke. You've got to create other other attacking routes. Matias Klick didn't do much of anything yesterday. Again, Periotti. Bless his heart. He tried. He tried, but his best wasn't very good. 
And I think at this point, you've got to have some self-reflection and be like, okay, we have no room for error at this point. I think we have what? I think they have what? The last four, five, four or five games left in the season, they're playing at home. I don't know about you if we've watched it all this season. They haven't been that hot at home. You need to get hot at the right time. But you don't. And frankly, I don't know what else to say anymore outside of like, you better get your act together against Chicago and you better get your act together fast or else you're not making it to the playoffs. And quite frankly, if you don't make the playoffs, that's a fireable offense. I'm going to repeat what you said. You need to fire everybody if you don't make the playoffs. So the next, um, so after Friday, so Saturday's game kicks off a stretch of five home matches out of the next six games. Uh, United hasn't played at home since July 29th. And like you mentioned, and again, do I look stupid now? Remember back in May when I told Wayne, are you not concerned about your home record? And he said, well, we won last week. I'm like, no, you didn't. It was a 1-1 draw. You know what United's record is this season? Do you want to know what United's home record is? Indulge me. 4-4-4. So are you concerned now? Are you concerned now? Because I told you this in May. I got laughed at. Remember that? I'm I'm bringing it up because I don't mind being laughed at. I like being corrected. But you happy now? You concerned now? Are you? Because yeah. if you're a DC United fan, you should be. Because you're 4-4-4. Four, four, and four. This has got to be the worst home record ever in the franchise's history at home. They were never this bad, even, maybe since 2013 at home. And that's not even hey, fair. And even in 2013, they put up a fight at home. They tried. Exactly. So, so when I when I bring when I bring stuff up like this in the press conference, and you as well and other reporters, like we try to voice it for the fans. And what was insulting last night was when you guys asked, and, and I'm speaking as you guys because I wasn't there, and I'm not bringing reporter grievance here. I'm we speak for the fan when we say this. And I want fans to know how crazy it was. The first line of question was, were your thoughts on your first half performance? And Wayne said, it was fine. And, and there was a quite, it was a buttload of silence. And that's the issue that Mario's bringing up. Like the naivete where Wayne, yes, he's a young coach. I'm fine with that. Yes. Some young coaches are trying to build something for the future. But I, I bring back May, and I bring back what we said earlier. There is no guarantee that Wayne's going to stay out his contract or that he's getting an extension. So it's a two-and-a-half-year deal, meaning they're trying to squeeze in a five-year pro- project in two-and-a-half years. But we're not bringing in the DPs that are required. The one DP we had that was part of the project axed himself out. Meanwhile, one of the players that should be a part of the project is getting paid not to be a part of the project. Now they bring in Priyani. Priyani needs time. Like he's taking over a taxi role that honestly, taxi took a while while he 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 guns a blazing from the start. That took some whiles too. Like let's not act like taxi came in and was dominating right away. Yeah, he had some games where he played well, but we know the taxi story. There were moments where he didn't look so hot either. So they're trying to make Piani the second option in the offense, but 
The reality is, Wayne, it's going to take time. You don't have that. You have eight matches remaining in a self-imposed goal of playoffs. You should be mid-table right now. You should not be sniffing the bottom of the... For the money you guys have paid, DC United's in the top six of uh, roster construction and the money they're paying. Yes, the majority is going to their DPs, but still, they have older players they live in bigger contracts to. How is this not concerning it whatsoever that you're sniffing the bottom of the league? And also for the money you're paying, that's not acceptable. Like, again, that's a fireball offense, given, given the petty reasons we fired the last two coaches. But you gotta think, you gotta have some self-reflection. I think there's just no self-reflection or self-awareness at, at this point. And again, you brought in Eric Davis, a pretty serviceable uh, wingback. Use him. You ain't got time. I get it. They're new. You don't have time. You're fighting for your playoff life. That self-imposed goal that you just said, so uh, you just said it right now, that self-imposed goal of making it to the playoffs. Use the players that you brought in. Use Eric Davis. Why is he on the bench? Like you, you need to. Re- I get it. Pedro, San- I know Pedro Santos is his first option, but Pedro Santos showed his age last night pretty quickly. He showed it in the last two games. It is wild to me. And not only that, you had. A hundred minutes plus between the Red Bulls game and the first 45 of the Philadelphia game where you looked abysmal. You played horribly. This was a team without an idea. And you know what? If they miss the playoffs, good. Then it'll probably wake somebody up. Fans are pissed. Like I, I, I for one, am looking at the, I looked at First 45, I was like, really? You gave up this much space? What was the point of changing the formation? You can't, again, and I I don't mean to sound repetitive, but you had a proper game plan against Philadelphia the two games you played at Subaru Park. What was the point of changing it today? Give me a reason. What was a good reason? Well, one, the injuries probably did play a factor, but two, Wayne was... I guess he kind of mentioned this, you know, they played Philly twice. Philly kind of knows what they're coming with. It was mentioned during the Hispanic broadcast that, you know, they were expecting United to play more counter. Uh, That was what Philly had told the commentary team. They were expecting United to play with more counter. So because of what happened in the first two matches away at Philadelphia. So... By switching the formation, you're creating more attack. You're putting in uh, Piani with Chris Durkin uh, with Emil Assad in the midfield. So you're playing that 4-2-3-1, which they played in the beginning of the year. But we found out right away with the people that they had, because they had so many wingbacks, it makes sense to go to a five-back formation. So... You you leave Matias Click up top with Canals. I mean Matias Click in the middle with Canals and serving as a defensive mid. I feel like Click was kind of out of place in that role. Maybe flipping with Durkin, have Durkin be more defensive. He's more defensively sound, and maybe you get different results. But yeah, I'm with you. Like you 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 flip for a reason. 
the three four two one formation is what you've been playing the whole season because it's what's been giving you results. And that's what got you in Philly. Yeah, Philly's coming prepared for it, but with Priyani and what you with Eric Davis, you kind of add a different dimension than what you had in the previous results. They have not seen those two play. Or they if they had, it was in limited numbers like in the in the league's cup. So in limited amount of time. So they're not they're prepared, but not fully prepared. They don't know what to expect. So I agree with you. I thought the formation change was spotty at best. I'm not gonna blame it as more youth. I think it was more of like changing the look to confuse the opponent, and it clearly ended up not working. Philadelphia is currently second in the Eastern Conference. What is there to confuse them about? (laughs) That's the thing. What is there to confuse Philly about? They're second place in the Eastern Conference. I'm just trying to explain, as Wayne mentioned in the presser, I'm just trying to explain the method of that Uh, madness. I didn't uh, agree with it. I was just here yelling about the amount of space they gave up. But I there's a reason you have to explain. In the second goal, me and one of the reporters, Sarah Colossi from the district press, just looked at each other in the press box going like, did you see the amount of space they had on that second goal? It was wild. So I, I just don't know what to make of it at this point, to be honest with you. There, I, I feel like there should be somewhat of a major rebuild, and maybe the, one of the rebuilds should be Letting go of Wayne, but that's probably more of a conversation for another day. Well, that's more of a conversation for post postseason. I do think uh, right now with eight matches to go, United really needs to focus on what the pieces they have. And clearly the pieces they have fit with wingbacks. Eric Davis is a good option. Now that we saw Ron in the second half, maybe with additional rest, Ron could play. Uh, we still don't know the status of Andy Nahar. We do know that over the summer he was injured uh, on and off. He came back a little early from an injury and then got re-injured. So we have that issue. Uh, Tyler Miller went down during this game. So you had Bono come in. Did well. I, he, he Apparently he hasn't surrendered a goal in MLS play this season. <laughs> so my, I guess he's your new starter until uh, Miller is, comes back for the injury. Um, he's my new starter for the rest of the season at this point. Well, I mean, he made spot appearances. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, Bono, you know. It, he has to play now with the injury. Um yeah, I, they, they're right now they're in Inter Miami territory. For those who don't know, Inter Miami needs to win. We're, we're, they have they have now nine games remaining, but before when they had ten games remaining prior to their game against the Red Bulls, they had to, according to the math, win at least eight to get at least a seventh place and make a to get in the playoffs. Eight of their last ten. If I'm DC United. You got sick. Remember, this is the other thing that you DC United fans need to remember. You don't play the final week of the season. No, you don't. You don't. Decision day. It is out of your hands at this point. You got to win out. Exactly. So I wouldn't say win out. It would be best to, but I would say the results need to head to a more positive trend. They need to win games that they know they should be winning. 
The game against Chicago coming up is what I'm calling a winnable game. And it's now one of those mysterious, and I'm stealing one of these, uh, what was that old uh, U.S. Uh, MLS soccer podcast? This is a six-pointer because if you can get a win over Chicago, the next leading team with you for that final playoff spot, if it comes down to head-to-head, you got that. You got that in spades. Then you have San Jose and then Charlotte. Man, I'm going to be in these in two in two of these three games, uh, San Jose and Chicago are at home. I don't mean to be that person. You got to win those two games ASAP. You should win every home game. And I got to shout out Moises Lenardes. He brought it up in the commentary ever so eloquently. They have looked terrible at home. So they need to step it up a notch. This is the time when you're supposed to get results at home. I'm going to say it again. I warned y'all in May. Here we are. <laughs> okay, I'm going to quote you on that one. Uh, believe, believe, uh, listen to him now. Believe him later. And to quote the great voice, Jesse, that is, the playoffs are slipping through DC's hands. And they have surrendered too many points at home. Meanwhile, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, better to say, Washington Spirit were able to earn a 1-1 draw against the Portland Thorns, the team that beat them prior to the uh, World Cup players being released um, in June. Ashley Hatch scored a penalty kick in the final minutes of the match to earn the 1-1 draw at Audi Field. Sophia Smith uh, appears to injure her knee in the second half and was on crutches after the break. Portland originally went ahead in the 63rd minute when Sam Coffey was able to slip a pass to Morgan Weaver in the box, who then able was able to uh, score on a chip shot right over Aubrey Kingsbury. And just as the game was set to end, uh, Ashley Hatch was able to get a penalty due to a controversial handball, which we'll get to in a second. And then Hatch was able to put in the penalty to secure the draw in front of a record crowd, the highest crowd that the Spirit has had in four years, 13,048 fans at Audi Field. The f- five of Hatch's nine goals this season have come from the penalty spot, showing how reliable she is. Mario, what were your thoughts on the game? And might as well ask the controversial question for some. Was that a penalty kick? <laughs> you know what? During the review of the play, there's at least like two or three fouls that are happening all at the same time. I honestly, I thought they were going to call the Ashley Hatch foul or the foul on Ashley Hatch. Uh, I'm not sure who's the one that takes her down in the box. Yeah, that that this is one of those plays that are up to the interpretation of the ref. Uh, me personally, I it was an intentional handball, but they're going to call those handballs nine times out of ten. So. That that's again to the interpretation of the ref. You either damned if you do, damned if you don't. At the end of the day, I think they're going to call that they're going to call that penalty anyway, even though I don't feel like it merits much of a penalty. But they're going to call those handballs in the in the area regardless. I think the game itself. Now, if we talk about the game itself, uh, I think the Spirit played really well. They were able to kind of just neutralize Portland's attack for the most part. Uh, defensively, they were sound. Uh, but other than uh, outside of that, um, Sar, who played, who played, uh, who, I'm not sure how long she played, but she, I know she played midway through the second half, 
she had a really strong showing and was one of those was being effective down the wing. Trinity Rodman was doing her thing. Also, shout out to her for pretty much putting a nutmeg on a Portland defender. So that there's pretty much just the highlight of the game. But other than that, it was a really competitive game. I think the crowd was really into it. So that kind of helps. But to circle it all together and put it in a perfect package. <laughs> I don't think it was much of a penalty, but they're still going to call that handball anyway, regardless. And there was like at least two fouls along with that play. Yeah, so you have her, you you have a cross play coming where Hatch is being squeezed by two defenders. One of the defenders raises her foot a la karate style, but has her hand up. The ball touches her foot first and then smacks her hand. Normally, <laughs> because it was in the process of trying to make a stop, it's not a handball from what I understand because it, it inadvertently touches her hand. So it shouldn't have been a PK, but I'm with you when you have a situation where the arm is slightly stretched out like that. It, it's going to be called nine times out of ten. Um, this was the quote. Uh, I got to thank Jason Anderson from USA Today slash Pro Soccer Wire. The pool reporter questions were on the penalty kick was the foul handling or a push? And the referee literally put handling didn't elaborate and then on the second question was the foul if the foul was handling did the deflection off of mingus impact the defender uh impact the decision <laughs> the referee said no and those are verbatim like we saw the paper good work by the officials um overall <laughs> i thought the spirit played well there were moments where they could have done better i didn't uh, I like that they're trying to play with this 4-3-3 formation, so that, but the 4-3-3 is kind of like a weird 4-2-1-3. <laughs> it's like a weird – they're still trying to it keep the kinda, 10. It kind of switches. Yeah, it, it kind of switches, but it, kinda, it tries to keep the integrity of the 10. And why I like that, I feel like it limits – the uh what the spirit can do with sar i think sar she was bodying players she she was bossing around the defenders i felt that she provided good impact we heard in the post game uh mark parsons explain like you know this was a player that he didn't think that they were going to be able to go uh sign at first that they kind of had to do it like college recruiting so this is a player they weren't sure they were going to sign because she's that good. Um, I think technically it's like having two Trinity Rodmans on either side, but one is more experienced than the other, and that is Saar. And Saar easily displayed moments of brilliance. She doesn't have the dribbling ability, but you can see that her speed and her power is what really is what grabbed gravitated uh the coaching staff and obviously the spirit to go sign her i think sanchez there were moments where she was in and out and they pulled her at the 60th minute um she wasn't 100 ready to go i was impressed to see trin and andy sullivan go 90 uh especially coming back from the world cup and and actually it was a good shout by parsons to include um gabby carl who 
went with Canada and was able to pull off, I believe, over 80 minutes. So, like, the Spirit had moments. And it wasn't that, you know, Portland was better on the day. They were not. I think that they were more dangerous without Sophia Smith, to be honest, which is something awful kind of weird to say. You could disagree with me. I felt like in the second half they were more dangerous. They were more on the ball. And I think I, I, think, I think they were more. I think it was a little more dangerous once Sophia Smith went out with an injury. is kind of just like a come, I feel like a little come together moment and just everybody pulled their weight a little bit. I think they were looking, I think they looked a lot more sub, uh, a lot more dangerous prior to the subs of uh, Crystal Dunn and Naomi Gurma, if I'm not mistaken, going in, in the latter part of the second half. But I think that's where Portland was looking a lot more sharper. Right. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, I'm saying that I think they look, just look more dangerous. They just look more, more dangerous. They were stronger in possession. I felt on attack, even if it was just one or two touches, they were able to convert more plays. Especially Sam Coffee in the second half, I felt was more impactful than than what we saw in the first. Like, she just looked more into the game than in the first half. Like, she was very limited in terms of her effect, especially in only situations where you saw her in set pieces. But Whereas in the lead-up to the goal, it was two quick passes, and then she lays it off. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't see that much in the first half where she was kind of more withdrawn in the midfield. I think at the spirit level they still have to find that second outlet that's outside of just um, getting route one with Hatch. We're still trying to see what they're developing in that system with Robin and the three and having her dive in. Maybe with Sar, it pulls defenders out of the way because now they have two different threats on both wings. So you can't just focus on one wing. You have to focus on both sets of the wings. And I would like to see... um, more of the bench to be involved. We saw them be involved while the players were gone, and I will. They they pre, they've grown the depth. That's what we said in the off season. They need to improve on the depth, and so now we'd like to see it more in action and see it more prepared and get these games. There are very few games left, so they want to maintain their playoff spot as much as possible. So it'd be good to see those players get action. And unlike DC United, the Washington Spirit did understand the assignment of actually growing on depth. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. I think uh, having Saar on the wing along with Trinity Rodman creates this dual threat that'll keep a lot of uh, a lot of teams on their toes defensively. I think you get and you get you get you get physicality, something that you just pointed out with Sar, and then you also get the uh, pace, the pace and the speed with Trinity Rodman. So it's something that you have to contend with. I think that the spirit, uh, for the most part, were able to utilize some of that, even if you had Sar for a limited time throughout the game and you had Trinity playing a full ninety. I think they were still a threat along with Ashley Hatch. So it kind of just create creates this kind of like we kind of the synergy in a way where you have where they have those where they have those weapons and you're able to use it and i think just growing the depth all together throughout just through the world outbreak actually helps out in the long run and still maintain while still maintaining a playoff spot so i think the spirit are um going forward they're gonna they're gonna be in a very good position 
to not only make a playoff spot, but you now have different different scoring threats and different ways to create scoring opportunities that you didn't really think possible going into World, into the World Cup break. Now it's still tight. Now the Spirit are in fifth now with 26, but they're only two points away from. Um, excuse me, they are only three points away from first. So results are really tight. Any result you can get, and it's just beautiful timing. No disrespect. Say this that they're playing a Chicago Red Stars. They're kind of in flux. They're in last place. They. They seem to be mathematically eliminated, but because it's the NWSL, they can go on a run. Who knows? Um, so Spirit are at home again, and I would like to see them. You know, we heard Aubrey Kingsbury, they want to get a clean sheet, one nothing. I would like to see them dominate offensively. Like, I would like to see them go forward. They have the weapons of all kinds. Would like to see them go forward and press the Chicago Red Stars team and get the result. And they can jump higher in the standings. Remember, the first two seeds get a bye in the playoffs. Six teams out of the 12 get in, but the first two get byes. You want to be the team that gets the bye because it guarantees you at least one home game. So if you're the spirit and you love these crowds, again, record crowd, got them to get the results. And on top of that, if you get the buy, that's guaranteed rest for for your for your team, and it'll help rest the bodies going moving forward. Exactly, but it's enough for us here at the Battle Birds FC podcast. We're trying to do this uh, multiple times on multiple levels. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more on how to keep in touch with you. All right. If you want to see what I'm working on or you want to read my gamer of the D.C. United Philadelphia game from Saturday night, you could follow me on Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it, at Mario Amaya 1. You could follow me on Instagram as well, at M underscore Amaya 91. If you want to know what's going around, going on the world around you or you just want to know what's going on in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino 2 on Twitter, at El Tiempo Latino. Go to their website, eltiempolatino.com. Uh, if you want to buy a hard copy, just so I put money in my pocket, so I can buy myself a little messy Inter Miami jersey, you can go to your local newsstand or metro station today. Oh, and don't forget, you can also follow the Bad Hombres FC podcast on Twitter as well at the Bad Hombres FC podcast at the Bad Hombres FC. And as always, you can follow me on my socials at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Cam McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember to rate and subscribe as always on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into the Battle of Birds MC Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Adios.